everyone has a story to share that shapes the very foundations of who we are. And sometimes these stories become obstacles that we can't move past and we find ourselves stuck. A Modern Shaman is an original podcast series that shares these stories, the shit we all go through and the ability to overcome it. Get ready to laugh, cry, and become inspired as we share and find comfort in the stories that connect us. Join your hosts, Shaman Isabella and Kimberly Harlan, each week on A Modern Shaman as they explore ways for you to discover healing, growth, and joy. Learn how letting go of trauma can open up a world full of beauty that awaits us all. So, can we ask you, what's your story? This is A Modern Shaman. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of A Modern Shaman. We've uh, got a special guest today, Kim. Isabella, hello. How are you feeling? I'm better. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm much, much better. It was a rough week, but I'm good. Uh, Do you want to say what happened to you? Well, I mean, yeah, I wasn't going to, but sure. I mean, COVID is still there. It's like, we think it's not. And I had a student here at the house and bless her heart had gone to a concert and I didn't even think to say, Hey, maybe we should wait like a half an hour, half an hour, half five minutes or, you know, five days or whatever. That was funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, um, but the, but the other student didn't get it, which is trip. Right. And her husband didn't get it. It's a mysterious, still, it's such a mysterious little, it wasn't bad. Um, so today we have with us, um, Ariel, we've Astoria, Ariel Astoria. We've been trying to get you on the show for many, many weeks now and, and life. So yeah. thank you for being with us today. Super excited to have you. Um, I just wanted to introduce you real quick, and then we'll just get right into the conversation. Um, Ariel has written a book called The Unfolding. She is um, a storyteller and creates environments and spaces where people have the permission to be vulnerable and seen. Her motto is words not for the ears, but for the soul, which stems from a dedication to her mind that words are meant to be felt and experienced and not just heard. The heartbeat behind her work is a diligent pursuit of instilling and reminding individuals of their value through words with a specific heart in empowering, encouraging, and making space for audiences of women to feel at home in their own bodies. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I know. That's beautiful. Says a lot, and um, can't wait to learn more about you and and your your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I just want to start really basic. You know, what is your background, and where did you grow up? I know mm-hmm. that your father was a Baptist minister. You know, mm-hmm. what was it like? What was your family like? Yeah. Um, so I am the oldest of five kids. So there's four girls and um, then my baby brother, who's not so much a baby. He's uh, taller than all of us, including my father, who who is like six, five himself. And so, um, yeah, so grew up in a very full house, um, lots of estrogen, uh, lots of uh, fun yeah. times. Um, but then also sisters who like uh, just, yeah, we, we were in Taekwondo and 
my dad really wanted boys. I think really genuinely wanted boys. <laughs> so we got a lot of that energy until my brother came around. Um, he's only 17 and I'm, and I'll be 32 in October. So there's quite a gap in between um, the two of us. And uh, so I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, most of our life, um, our parents have been in some form of of ministry within the evangelical Christianity world. Um, and so I grew up with a very faith-based uh, structure, um, fairly open to most of the world, um, but then also moments where it's kind of closed off. And so me being the oldest, um, the more esoteric type, um, had kind of always leaning in and out of um, just the whimsy and the wonder of things, hence why I found myself in the arts um, something that has always been a part of who I am and a part of how I process and um, what my parents would call, you know, a gift um, and, and what I would call a gift. Um, I do think it is a, a funneling through a sourced kind of idea um, still, even though I've expanded a lot of my um, beliefs and I've kind of created room, hence um, the book, The Unfolding, that we'll talk about. Um, there was a lot of need for me to like explore if the story was bigger, like if the story of divinity and connection was so much bigger than the story I, I was given. Um, but I I loved um, our childhood. I loved growing up with so many siblings. It's funny when people are like, oh, do you want do you want to, like, do you want a big family? And I'm like, I have one. I don't need to go and create one. Like I come <laughs> from one. I have one. So you know my husband, exhausting it can be. Oh my, yes. I'm like down to just like vacations down to like how we traveled. Like I remember very distinctly never really flying because there are so many of us, you know? And so we always drove and we drove places um, where we, we could get to you. And even staying in hotels, we found like Trend West or like timeshares instead because they were just more practical for how big of a family we were. And we were just the family that like got invited, but like we were the party, you know, like you didn't need to invite much more people after that. You can just, <laughs> just invite the Wilburns and that was plenty. Um, and so, um, yeah, we were the family that, you know, all our friends wanted to come over and just be at our house all the time because both my parents were incredible cooks um, and just people who um, are just so full of love and and give it so um, genuinely and and flourishingly. And, and that's the upbringing that I grew up with. Um, and then I got to high school and started to explore more of the creative world. I went to an arts high school in Oakland. Um, which is still there, Oakland School for the Arts. It meets in the Fox Theater, um, which was a really fun experience. I didn't get to go there until halfway through my high school. So about middle of 10th grade until I graduated. Um, and then I had two sisters who also went. And then we have a very um, smart sister who propelled all of that, um, went to Berkeley and then graduated a year early. Um, and now my brother, who's more sports affiliated. So um, it's fun. It's fun in this season of life being um, the oldest, but also having all my siblings, for the most part, be adults. It's a very strange uh, world that we're getting in. And then also learning that dynamic with our parents of like, 
being adult children and not just children and and that whole dynamic of what that looks like. Um, and so, yeah, I always say that Bay, the Bay Area is uh, the place that grew me, but LA raised me. Um, I've been here for about 13 years now. I moved here for college, um, probably over 13 years at this point. I moved here for college um, in 2010 and I ended up staying. Being a creative, being an artist just made the most sense here, you know, than it does in the Bay Area. Area. The Bay Area is very tech oriented. There's some, you know, um, creative energy there, but for the most part, it's not where you really go to like propel <laughs> or to thrive in your art form. And so I stayed here. Um, I figured it out. I had, you know, five, six, seven, eight jobs up until honestly, 20, um, 2019, 2020. Um, and I've just been figuring out when I graduated in 2015, I was like, what if I just take the next year and be a creative? And I've been doing that um, ever since I graduated. And it's been a really beautiful and really full journey. Um, and yeah, a long For sure. way. Doing, being a creative, um, it also entails, you know, taking on some risk. Oh, 100%. Did it scare you? To do that, um, did you feel like you had to jump off a bridge a little bit and trust yeah. and have faith? Yeah, it definitely, I tell people like when I graduated, it's like when you walk, you're walking off the stage. I was like, I felt like I was walking off the stage into nothing. You know, like everyone yeah, for the yeah. most part had their degree and they knew what they were going to do with it. I, my degree is in psychology. Um, I double majored in psychology and theater and my first practical left brain, oldest child energy was like, I'm going to be an art therapist. That's how I'm going to incorporate the practical um, and the whimsy and the artistic. And the more I got involved in art, the more that just drew me and pulled me in. Um, and it was just like, oh, maybe this is not a side thing. <laughs> like, maybe this is actually who I am and what I've been created to do. And so when I graduated, it was terrifying. I'm a very left and a right brain creative. So I'm very practical. I'm very pragmatic when I need to be, but I'm also like, give me a skeleton and I'll, I'll add the meat when I want to, like, I'll, I'll create my own thing with it, but give me some kind of structure. Like, give me, give me a little bit of direction. And so to just like fully just let a lot of that go was so scary. And I didn't know um, what that looks like, which is why I had five, six jobs because I knew I needed to eat, you know, I needed to live somewhere. Um, I needed, yeah, I needed to pay rent. I needed to be able to get to my gigs, get to the opportunities. So I needed a car. I needed to put gas in it. So I knew how to like hustle. That was like a very quick know how to do. Um, so it was quite, um, the leap. It still kind of is the leap because it's so unpredictable. Um, and you really don't know what will come, especially in these last few years of a pandemic, um, and really releasing a lot of that and what it could look like and, and what it doesn't look like. Yeah. yeah you need to have a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Not only in yourself, but also in your in your art, like in your gift. And for me, it's like, I do believe there's this bigger thing mm -hmm. orchestrating it all because the doors that have been able to open the opportunities that have been able to happen yeah. are still like, there's something about it that's like, I did this, but also like, I really didn't do this, you know, at the same right. time. Right. Mm -hmm. The universe definitely has your back. Mm -hmm. So your first book, Vagabond and Zealots, do yeah. you feel, uh, and you wrote this in college with a friend of yours. I did. Yes. So. I'd have to pick up the book and, and read it. But yeah, my question for that was, um, do you feel like that was your first awakening initiation? Mm. 
Absolutely. Think there was I think for that or I think those were one of them. I like to say like, and I think I said it in the book, like, you know, the way the book makes it seem is that my husband was, he was the cause. He was the chasm of the unfolding. Oh, and he funny, really, I didn't he, see that. No. Oh, good. Okay, good. That way. Because wow. he wasn't, he really yeah. was the safe space for it to happen. Um, right. He was the permission Rounding. for me to be able to like go there. But I like to say there's been many pebbles that created ripples um, that got me to this full version of unfolding. And writing that book, my friend Scott, um, he was one of those. Um, he was one of those people, like we worked together in our coffee shop on our campus. And he was so adamant at, um, at really breaking the like good, perfect person that I really tried to be um, and and really yeah and really challenge it and I remember like um I was pouring some orange juice and he was like really messing with me I was like you're gonna make me spill like you've got to chill out and he was like and if it spills and I was like then I gotta clean it up and then it's all over the place and he was like and then it's cleaned up and it's done and I was like (laughs) you know and I, I took that mindset just so much of things in my life that I didn't do, that I didn't venture out, um, that I didn't explore because it was like, what if it makes a mess? What if people look at me differently? And, you know, and so he was I, one of those stepping stones to getting to that point. And even how he viewed faith and spirituality, again, one of those spaces and one of those stepping stones that created room for my unfolding. And then it was my mentor um, in college who begged me to be her intern. I didn't go to the church we were interning at. I didn't have a car to get there. And she kept asking and kept asking. So I finally said yes. And I was with her for maybe almost two years until she left um, came out and then married um, her partner and her wife now, uh, who I had the honor of writing a poem for their wedding. And she and her wife were a stepping stone. So there's been so many ripples yeah, being in arts high school. like so Your many. high school moving from that one high school to the other, that was probably a yes, big shift. A huge one. It opened up my world so much. Um, and so did art, I think in general, being at an arts high school and still really holding on to these values and things that I really felt were true to me, but also being so surrounded by the queer community in that space, that young, and that being like, maybe this is not, you know, the way, and the way I thought it was, or the way it's been given to me, or the way I was raised to believe it was. And so there's been so many mentors, um, you know, situations, scenarios. Um, I had a really big one in January of 2020. I went to Israel um, with a group of um, Christian evangelical influencers. And I was in the prime of like my unfolding at that point. And so going somewhere that I'd read about all my life and really physically being there and how I interpreted all of it in such a monumentally different way that was a ripple, you know, and then the pandemic happened months after that. That was a ripple. Um, George Floyd's death, that was a ripple. There's just thing after thing that kept happening um, in the last, honestly, 30 years of my life that led me to this full version of an unfolding, which I think we all do in, in our in our lifetime many, many times over. I created a one-woman show uh, as my thesis project when I was getting my master's in theater at the University mm. of Idaho. And it, I was too afraid to tell my own story. Mm -hmm. I asked other women, what was the event that changed your life? Mm. And it reminds me of that, you know, Mm -hmm. 
unfolding that uh, asking, you know, and being too afraid to yeah. itself and tell my own story and, yeah. and making this compilation of women's stories and getting up and performing them and changing characters and, mm-hmm. and being these different women. I, I, I miss, uh, because when shamanism took over my life, that was it. Like, that yeah, was just like with Kim, that modern shaman restaurant took over her life and yeah. And, uh, you know, and we're much older than you are. <laughs> I um, don't know. I don't see it. Uh, it's like, uh, I don't feel it. So I'm glad you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there's 30, I'll be 63 this month. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. like you know, the unfolding for me of my life. Mm-hmm. And so, so Ariel, in your book, The Unfolding, um, you talk about the five phases, mm-hmm. which um, just quickly, let me um, read through them. They are the awakening, the eclipsing, the mending, the illuminating and the returning. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you discover that? Like, can, yeah. you, can you kind of, you know, um, talk about which, about each of these five phases and then. Um, just briefly. Talk, yeah. Just talk about them, how, how they get the manifested in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when we experience things for me, it, it makes the most sense for me able to like, not understand it so I can control it but understand it so that I can adequately know what lessons I'm being taught and who I'm being shaped as I go through it. Um, so I think one of the, the faults of a lot of quote unquote self-help type books or self-help type missions is like, here's what worked for me, copy and paste. Good luck. You know, like it's going to be great, but it, we, we're too versatile and, um, and complex as human beings in order for that to be a thing that works. And so I wanted the five stages to also almost be similar to the five stages of grief. They're not linear. Um, They take different forms in each person differently because we operate differently. Like my husband says, we might be all in the same like in the same boat, but we're not in the same storm. Like we might be in the same storms, but we're not in the same boat. Like in that same way that we each experience life differently. And so for me, I needed to be able to like grapple with what I was experiencing and what I was going through and make name to it. Cause I do think there's power in words and the same way that they have the ability to, um, you know, to heal and destroy. Um, at the same time, they have the ability to just make sense of things, um, and to make direction of things. And so I wanted the phases to be this like surrounding and grounding practice of like, okay, this might be what I'm experiencing it. And if I can have have more of a name to it, I may be able to navigate it through a little bit um, softer, softly and more gently with myself. And so that first phase is that awakening. It's that coming to, it's that realizing that we are are shifting or have shifted um, and that the person that stands and exists and breathes today may not be the same person that existed um, yesterday or years from now. And I love to bring this together with sharing that our cells change cellularly almost um, every moment, like every minute or so. So we're already not the same people that we were when we first got on this call, which is a really wild thing to even grasp our mind around. And that's the same of the awakening. It can be kind of startling. Um, it's like coming uh, back from a nap in the middle of the afternoon and you're like, where am I? What's happening? What year is it? What time is it? Is it the same day or a different day? 
And that can be disorienting, which leads into the eclipsing. The eclipsing is that shadow space where the two versions of us are crossing over and we decide which one are we giving light to and which one are we releasing. It doesn't mean that doesn't bring up some grief. It doesn't mean it doesn't bring up some disorientation. Um, a lot of times it's a more external than it is internal because as we're going through those changes, we might be used to those, but then we're encountering other people who are like, you're different. You're you're acting brand new, you know. You're what is who is this person? You're not reacting you, the way I'm used to you reacting. Right? Yes, you're yeah. not familiar to me or accessible to me anymore, and that can be really right. disorienting, right? Yeah. Um, and then you get into um the the mending, which is um it's the deciding of like what am I taking with me and what am I releasing? Who am I becoming? And a lot of that for me was like my beliefs. Like I don't want a, a spirituality or faith that doesn't include my blackness, my femininity, my my friends queerness and their sexual identity um I need all of it I need the nuance of it all and so I I got to bring that with me and leave whatever else doesn't work and then I talk about the Japanese art of kintsugi which is um using clay pieces and molding them together with these gold um this like gold glue and you you still see where it was broken like you still see where it's pieced but it's still whole and it's still beautiful and from that we get to shed the light we get to shed the light on who we are now. We get to bring into the light the things we are not and hopefully make boundaries, make peace with where we need to um, and get to the point where we return. We return to ourselves. We return to God, the universe, divinity, whatever you want to call it. And ultimately, I think we return back to this really gentle understanding of humanity and each other. Um, and I think coming home to yourself that idea of coming home to yourself is just that exhale of like oh there I am you know like especially as women identifying people we're constantly being told how we need to be how we need to show up in this world but we get to decide what that is for us first and that's what coming home is is I know who I am I know the feet in which stands on this ground I know what my values are and how I want to operate and be shown in this world and I get to decide that and be seen. That's beautiful. Be seen. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was, that was my book. I'm just like, I'm, I'm back and ready. And listen again. So you, you mentioned imprints, right? Which is a big mm -hmm. thing for me in the, the shaman, mm. the shaman world. So uh, how do you feel you've shaken off imprints and rewoven the tapestry of your life? And what does it mm. look like? To you? Yeah. Um, there's a, author, speaker. Um, she's been like kind of a, a mentor adjacent. Actually, when I asked her to be my mentor, she told me I didn't need it, but that she'd be watching me. And there was something about that that like gave so much permission um, and to just be and show up. And she constantly has like been advocating for me along the way. Um, but she has this book called The Dream of You. And she asked the question of who were you before, the, before you were told who to be. Um, and I think what that has looked like is shaking off those imprints of like your name. Um, my name has a meaning and my parents have given that name to me for a specific meaning, but I now get to decide how I actually want to embody and live that meaning out. So even this name that was given to me, I get to decide how I step into it. And some people decide to completely change their name because that's not what they want to step into. That's not who they want to step into. And so for me, the imprint of stepping into what Ariel means, which is actually a predominantly male Hebrew name, um, meaning line of God. And I get to step into what that boldness, um, what that clarity, 
what that confidence looks like for me and how I design design it and define it. Um, and I like the play of those of both of those, how I design it and how I define it. Um, and so it's been really this really beautiful permission. It's still very scary. I'm still very yeah. much so a people pleaser. I'm still very much so an oldest child. So I tend to resort to like, is everybody okay? You know, like don't rock it's the funny. boat. Like I it's still go into those spaces. Right now. It's funny. Yeah. Like the next thing I wanted to ask you was that. So you uh-huh. just right into, um, <laughs> you speak of disappointing others and where do you think that stemmed from and how do you work that now like how yeah. you know we've got this yeah. like what other people think about me is none of my business uh-huh. still as empaths and creatives and artists care <laughs> we care care we absolutely care and for mm-hmm. me I've just created stronger boundaries but I'd love to hear yeah. how you're how you're gosh a lot of therapy um, a lot of therapy, a lot of help because I do tend to like, just want to fix, you know, and just want to solve and just, and just want to like ignore myself for the sake of like, is everyone okay? You know, like even down, I, a few weeks ago, I went up to the Bay area for my sister's birthday and I ended up booking a commercial and I had to turn right back around and go home. And my anxiety with having to disappoint, um, with having to not show up, I mean, was just through the roof. Like I almost was like, do I say no? Do I just ignore it? Like, I can't say no. Like I literally have to go home and I like made, I bought a flight for my sister because we had drove driven together so she could get home. And then I coordinated a ride. Like I did all these things to make sure still everyone was okay. And then I drove home you know, that Saturday after being home for like maybe 20, 20 hours. <laughs> and then I did my commercial and my, my mom even was like, I just like, am afraid that they think I'm, I'm not going to show up for them, which comes from a lot of being married first and, and then feeling like they were losing me. I'm um, in having to like show up in ways I overextended to show them you still have me. I'm still your sister. You know, like I still will drop everything and show up for you. But that anxiety that that doesn't resonate for them is still very much so there. And then I did my commercial and I went to therapy and I I talked it all out, you know, and they were like, oh, how was it? Did, how did it go? And they were just so, so a lot of it is in my own head. I think a lot of it for a lot of us is that people pleasing is like we, that's in our own head. And more than often, than not it's not actually what people other people are experiencing it's just how we're experiencing it and it can be really crippling I also have a very husband who's very very good at saying no I don't want to um that is not my gifting um this is a new one on me complete sentence I know it's shocking when those those people even exist to me like I know my son is like that he'll just say no Mm -hmm. No, my guy doesn't work for me. I'm like, <laughs> which what? I think a lot of it is, is like that an option. I do think there there a lot of the conditioning um, for how boys are raised and how girls are raised is very different because we we can't we haven't been made to say no and if we do say no it has to come with a reason it has to come with an excuse Asian. but a, but a male and a male identifying person can say no and it's assertive it's you know it's um authentic leadership like we've just been it's powerful and so we've been given these 
twofold, just really, you know, shitty ways of being conditioned as a woman, which is why we have to like undo all of that. And so even still, like we'll have moments where I, I like, there's this man who like wanted me to go into Nike and buy him some shoes. He already bought a pair, but I think he wanted to sell them. And I said, yes, I literally walked into Nike with this man's card. And luckily they were sold out. They didn't have it. And I was just like, I walked back out and I was like, so sorry. I was like, why? did I do that? And my husband was mortified when he heard this story. And then like that whole next week, he like made me practice little things to like say no to. And it it's like legitimately something I have to like redo. And then it's also the twofold of growing up in a, in a ministry family. Um, and that always be being an overextending space, always a yes space, especially as girls, um, because then we were clicky or then we were standoffish or then we were rude to the congregants. So there's been lots of conditioning, unfortunately, that that created this human who literally has crippling anxiety from the thought of telling people no. It's and, and I'm really, really you. trying to work through it now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you grab your book on page 122, yeah. I think it's a perfect place for you to read uh one of my favorite pieces from your yeah. Sometimes our greatest tool for pulling ourselves out of the holes where we find ourselves buried is the reminder that we have access to healing. In that moment of uncertainty and sadness, I found I had everything I needed right there in my own hands, right there in my heart. And so do you. I know it brings tears to my eyes. Mm. Because I think we forget, especially. Women and overachievers and doers, we forget of access to healing. Mm-hmm. We have access to therapy. We have access to friendships, and we have uh, access to your beautiful book. Mm. Would you like to tell us where you might be or how people can? Yeah, you can find um, the book wherever um, audio books and ebooks and physical books are sold. So Amazon, if you'd like to support um, some black own businesses you can find it at reparations club online um and then if you would like a little bit more underground of an audible there's libro fm which supports local libraries um you can also find some poetries um that are not related to the unfolding directly um but some other of my work on spotify and itunes and i am working on an album um that's a continuation of of the unfolding and so it'll be a spoken word album called the art of the unfolding and some of the pieces will be from the book but some of them will be this continuation um because that book is now almost three years i'm removed from it which is wild but i'm still unfolding in a lot of different and beautiful ways you can find that there and then you can find me on instagram i do respond to my dms it is me so you can find me on there and we can chat there if you're reading and enjoying it is your instagram your name yes ariel astoria two l's and e e s t o r i a perfect and uh i just want to end with uh, Kim and I did an episode on uh, sensitive people being soul. Mm. And when I first touched your book, it reminded yeah. me of touching my good vibes deck. Yeah. And tell me just, or tell the, our audience, tell Kim, tell us all that. What did that, did you, did you feel that when you felt mm-hmm. your book the first time or is it just yeah. me? 
No, I mean, opening a big box of a book with this cover that I worked very hard on to to get this artist to create it. Um, just having this real version of the Google Docs that I had been writing for three, two, three years, you know, like just the reality of a physical thing that I created. It was like, it was very much so like, look at this thing I birthed, you know, like, look, look what I created. And so I definitely had a moment where I just kind of stared at the box and it was just very surreal. Um, and I still have that moment, it's still very weird to see it in people's hands, you know, um, to have people share it with me, but it's also just one of the most beautiful things. And I, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for it. You know, it's interesting because Kim's baby is the modern shaman restaurant in Whittier. Mm -hmm. So I was born. Oh yeah. And, uh, I live in Orange County now, but uh, Kim is in Whittier and best vegan food on the planet. So I just want to say thank you so much, Ariel. Um, if, if I had had, you know, the, been, if I had experienced the unfolding that you have, mm-hmm. you know, actually I, when I think back and I track it, I did, I just didn't have any structure. I didn't have any words for it. I didn't have a consciousness about it yeah. that you are providing for a whole new generation. Yeah. And so Thank you. And, and thank you from, for my generation also still, you know, giving words to this beautiful process of being a woman and, and standing in your power and figuring out how to do that in this world. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you you. so much for being on the show. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, thanks again for tuning in everyone. I love you. Thank you. Bye.